Thank you, worship band. It was an incredible time of worshiping together. Thank you for leading us so well. A few years ago, um, I, uh, living in Colorado, there's a thing that we do in Colorado that um, is kind of one of those weird things. That, you know, every state has its thing that's kind of like, why would you do this? Um, in Colorado, it's climbing 14,000-foot mountains, right? There's uh, probably 40-some, 50-some, 14,000-foot mountains. And so we go and we climb these mountains for fun, right? It's like the the kind of thing that human beings do that the animals look at us and say, why in the world are you putting yourself through this, right? Why why are you doing this? But we go and we climb these 14,000-foot mountains. And um, a few years ago, a friend of mine who was a capable outdoorsman, right, a capable hiker, a capable uh, physically like prepared guy says, I would love to climb a 14er. Uh, Nate, the next time you go and climb a 14,000-foot mountain, would you take me with you? And so I said, sure, let's go. And so what I didn't tell him maybe I, that I should have is I was planning to climb two 14ers that day. There was this, you know, climb up Mount Bierstadt, and then there's this ridge that, called the Sawtooth that connects Mount Bierstadt with Mount Evans. And so it was like, well, if we're going up one, we might as well go across the ridge and, you know, bag the second peak as well while we're at it. And so we go up, and we start across the, the Sawtooth, and my friend starts to slow down. Right, he starts to, to, to come to, to a point where it's like I'm watching him lag further and further and further behind, and I'm like, this is not going well. This is, <laughs> this is not a good start. And so we get a certain ways uh, forward, and we got to a point where you couldn't see the summit of Mount Evans anymore, right? Uh, Bierstadt was behind us. Mount Evans, the way the, the, the curve of the trail went around, you couldn't see the summit of Mount Evans anymore. And we get to this point, and my friend just stops. He sits down on a rock and he says, I'm not going any further. Uh, you kind of have to keep moving, right? You, kinda, you just can't stop here, right? It's, it's not an option. You either need to go the rest of the way to Mount Evans or we need to turn around and start working our way back. But the option, there's not an option for us to just stop here. And so we went across this boulder field and he sat on a rock. And I'm like, could you make it to the next rock, right? And we're just literally going across this, this kind of like tough part of this hike, one boulder to another, to another, to another. This idea of keeping on. We're on a journey, right? We're heading towards something. But you can't just stop, right? It wasn't just a decision for, for this hike that we're trying to do, this, this journey that we're on. And by the way, he made it home safely. His wife was happy and all those kinds of things. But um, I have never lost someone on a mountain before, right? We've had some... <laughs> Batting like a thousand on that one. So this is good. We've had some tough times. I've been yelled at by people before that were like, why are you making me do this? And all those kinds of things. But um, we got him home and it worked out just fine. But when I think about this particular passage, when I think about this spiritual reality, I think about that moment because there's, there's this tension that exists on any kind of journey, right? If we're talking journey, we're not just talking obstacle. If we're talking, we're, we're, we're actually heading somewhere. That there is this reality that we are called to keep moving, right? To, to, to keep moving forward. We're talking, we're talking about active faith. And in a lot of ways, you could kind of sum up a lot of what we're talking about this morning with the idea that active faith is a commitment to the journey, right? That active faith is a commitment to the journey. It's, it's a commitment to saying, I am heading, I'm heading somewhere. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to move on when things get difficult. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep on, right? For my friend sitting on the on this boulder in the 14, 13, some thousand feet waiting to, to get to Mount Evans. 
he doesn't have the option of choosing a different journey, right? He's, he's on that journey, right? The, the, the solution for his problems, the solution that, that resolves his tension is, is not to just simply say, I don't like this journey anymore. I'd like to find a different one. You can't just move on, right? You have to keep on. The solution to his problems was, was to take another step and to get to the next rock and to get to the next boulder and eventually get to the next summit and then eventually get to the car and get home. But it's keeping on. Right? It's not giving up. It's, it's not moving on when things get difficult. There's this gravitational pull, and I know we feel it. I feel it. I watched it play out on the mountain that morning. Is There's this gravitational pull in us, culturally, human nature, however you want to describe it, towards moving on when things get difficult. Right? There's this, there's this dif- difference, and it's worth making the distinction between keeping on, right? to take the next step in an intentional kind of direction, to, to take the next step on the journey, versus moving on saying, I don't like this journey anymore. I want to try a different one, right? There is this tendency within us. There's this, this tendency that we have as human beings to say, I'm just going to move on, right? This, this got difficult, right? It didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. I'm not getting quite what it was that I came for. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to move on. We have this gravitational pull towards moving on instead of keeping on, whether that, that we tell ourselves that it's progress, right? We just have to find a different journey or we're trying to find something else that, that gets us forward or it's efficiency, saying this is just taking too much time and too much energy. I'm just gonna kind of like move on to something different or maybe it could be that just we are an unsettled people by nature, right? Always looking for the next thing, always looking for the next opportunity, saying this has not met my needs, this has not satisfied me in the way that I would like to, to, to be satisfied and so I'm just going to move on to some other option, and so we're talking about this active faith. We're talking about this journey. We're talking about moving forward. We're talking as, as we started this series about fixing our eyes on Jesus and, 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 and moving forward, running our race. This gravitational pull is towards move on, but this morning we're, calling on our, we're, call, we're called to keep on. Right? And that means the decisions that we make, the decision that we're making is that, that we go on. Right, that it's, it's an ongoing decision that we don't just get to make a decision this morning that, that takes us until the you know, next Sunday. We're, we're called to make a decision tomorrow morning and the, and the morning after that or called to make decisions as we go about our days to actually allow God to do the alignment work in us, to actually allow God to do his transforming work in us so that we are closer and closer to what he's called us to be. Over the course of this series, we've, we've looked at these three circles, right? The, the confidence and perspective and action, saying well, what we're really called to is alignment, uh, alignment or congruence, where we say Jesus at the center, right? That, that we're fixing our eyes on him. And then there's these major domains of life, what, what we believe, what our confidence is rooted in, what, what's the foundation that we're building on, what our perspective is, what is it that we're looking at the world through, to, to look at the world through, through eternal, the eternal lens, or look at the eternal through the temporary lens, to, to actually have a perspective that that helps us see more clearly what's in front of us. Or then we have actions, right? Where it's, it's what we do is, is, is reflective of what we believe and the way that we see the world. And the idea is that, that we want to get as much overlap as possible in these circles, right? There's, there's a very small little center, center section that says active faith. That's when, when everything is in alignment. That's, that's, that's that intersection between what we believe and the way we see the world and our actions, 
And the idea is we really want to see those circles come together, that the overlap is greater, that it's centered on Jesus, but, the, but there's congruence, there's alignment between these primary domains of our lives, confidence, perspective, and action. And so this morning we continue. Hebrews chapter 13, the author of Hebrews says this, keep on, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, right? Gives us this action, gives us this, you know, the confidence, the foundation that has been built, the perspective, the, the eyes on Jesus, see the, see the eternal first and then look at the temporary through the eternal. Keep on, right? And there's keep on loving one another, which is a particular kind of love. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, a particular kind of love that, that we keep on loving with that, that suggests connection, right? that suggests that, that we are heading somewhere, that we are called towards something, not just away from things, that, that we're actually called to a journey that, that takes us somewhere worth going. And so after having laid a foundation that, that describes confidence and lays a, laying a foundation that talks about perspective and, and talking about the way our actions, when they're in alignment with those other things, can, can actually make a deep impact in our lives and in the world around us. The author of Hebrews says, now keep on, right? Keep on. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. The rest of this passage, the rest of the section of Hebrews 13 will will give us a glimpse of what that can look like in some specific kinds of ways. We're going to talk about love versus fear. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about the centrality of Jesus, the unchanging nature of the one who's calling us forward. In verse 2, do not, show, or do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it, right? This is drawing on probably Abraham and Gideon's stories and maybe some others that, that aren't recorded in the scripture of, of moments where someone was hosting and they thought they were just showing hospitality, but it turns out this was God's presence with them. So don't, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, to, to continue to lean in, to continue to open your doors, to continue to support and care for each other, right? The provision system, we're we may talk about this at some point, the provision system that, that Jesus established for the disciples. He said, don't take everything that you think you're going to need, but go into a town, find a person of peace, find someone who can host you in their home and, and be with them and allow them to meet your needs, allow them to, to feed you and, and put a roof over your head. That the provision system that Jesus created for the, for the mission that he was sending his, his disciples on required hospitality, right? Required hospitality, required people to, to open their homes to strangers, required the, that the other side of the equation play out as well. And so now in Hebrews, as the author is beginning to, to, to describe the kind of life, the kinds of things that we're supposed to continue to do, says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, right? Those people who come into your midst, the system only works when the system is working, right? And just simply talking about hospitality, which is the love of the stranger, over the fear of the unknown or the fear of the unfamiliar, right? To, to love the person that's coming into your midst, to, to believe good things for them, to, to imagine the journey forward for them over our fears, over our fears of well, what does this require of me or, or what is this going to, how is this going to make me uncomfortable, right? To choose hospitality is to, is to choose love over fear or love over discomfort, saying I will, I'll get over myself and I will show love to the other. And so, so continue, 
Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering, right? Enter into each other's story. There's this reminder in verse 3 here that simply saying that things are tough, right? And things are going to get tough. In some ways, what the author is talking about, we talked a few weeks ago about this great cloud of witnesses that surrounds, that, that has gone before us, that, has, that has, has inspired us, that that's cheering us on from the sidelines, saying it's your turn, it's your turn to lean in, it's your turn to run the race, it's, it's your turn to, to do hard things. It's your turn to put faith into the act of living. And what the author of Hebrews is describing is this great cloud of witnesses in the here and now for those that were receiving this story first. To say, remember, not just that in the past that people have suffered for this thing, not just in the past that that people have aligned their lives with Jesus in such a way that they were willing to suffer on his behalf. But right now, right now there are people who function as the great cloud of witnesses that are in prison. And so, so don't be ashamed of them and don't be afraid to be connected with them because they're doing exactly what they're called to do. This is choosing love over the fear of persecution. Right? Remembering implies action. Remembering re- implies visitation. To say, what does it look like for us to show up for people in the midst of their suffering, for those that are imprisoned, or for those who are struggling in the fellowship that, that, that would be, have been reading this, this letter to begin with? Remember. Remember. Make provision for, bring your presence to, for those who are in prison, for those who are struggling in the fellowship. Then in verse 4, it shifts from, from talking of love and fear to talking about relationships. And verse 4, marriage should be honored by all, right? Now just talking about putting faith and applying faith to the act of living. Marriage should be honored by all. What we believe, right, the way we see the world should impact the way we act. What we believe should impact our relationships. That marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And this is not just a command. This is a reminder as well that our faith should impact relationships, that, that the way we relate to each other, and in particular the way that our marriages play out, should be shaped by our faith, should be shaped by God's transforming work in us. That our relationships are an expression of our transformation. And our relationships, by the way, are also one of the key environments that God uses to help others see Him clearly. Right? The way we relate to each other is, is, is sometimes the way that God begins to speak through our lives to, into the lives of other people. Our relationships are an, ex, are an expression of our transformation, and they're one of the key environments God uses to help others move toward Him. And so, verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now we're talking relationship between us and our possessions, those things that we hold on to, those things that would, would, be, uh, would tend to give us confidence. So keep our lives free from the love of money, not free from money, but from the love of money, and be content with what we have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is perspective, right? We're talking confidence and perspective that impacts our actions, that impacts the relationship that we have with possessions. Saying our confidence is not in what we've gathered for ourselves. Our confidence is not in what we have somehow managed to hoard to make sure that that we're okay. But our confidence is rooted in the goodness of God, saying, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That we look at possessions with the, through, the, through the lens of the eternal, through the lens of God's promises. That the antidote, the antidote for the love of money, the antidote for discontentedness, will be to trust God first as present, right? That, that he's with us, and that he's our provider, that he will make sure we have what we need. And verse 6, so 
So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Right, this is a verbal expression of confidence. This is a verbal expression of saying, this is the way I see the world. Right? I'm going to look at the world. I'm going to look at what may come my way. And I'm worried about the way people are going to react to me. I'm worried about what someone might say or what someone might do. And we look at that through the lens of the eternal. It says that God is on my side. That my confidence, even in these difficult relationships, that even in these situations where I may be persecuted, even when someone may try and do something to me, that, that on the foundation of God, and through the lens of the eternal, I'm going to approach the situation. I'm going to simply say, I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. What can mere mortals do to me? So remember, your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Right? These leaders are in the category of mere mortals. Right? But these mere mortals, these leaders, these, these people that, that God has raised up for a season to, to lead us in, in, in faith, are being used by God to help us on our journey, to look at those in authority over us, to, to look at, at leaders through the lens of the eternal, saying, this is someone that God has placed in a position to help me move forward. What can I learn? How can I, how can I learn from their lives? How can I apply what they're teaching me to, to, to move me forward, to take another step forward? And we look at this not just as, as leaders in the here and now, but this is where we can start to look at the great cloud of witnesses saying, those who have gone before us, those who have led the way in faith, to learn and to imitate from their journey, having seen it all play out from beginning to end, having seen their story, not just in the middle or at the beginning, but, but to the end, to imitate their way of life, to, to imitate their faith, and to lean in. And in this section closes with the statement, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Confidence saying this unchanging God that changed everything for me, this, this unchanging God who took on flesh and dwelt among us, that, that made a way for us, that hasn't changed. Right? That the words that Jesus spoke, the claims that he made, have not changed. That, that our confidence and that our perspective goes through the lens of that everything else may change. Right? We've talked in this series about everything being shaken, that, that our world and all the temporary things get shaken and we're, we're tempted to despair, but there is something that does not move. There is something that does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Our actions toward each other are marked by Jesus because he's our foundation, right? our confidence and our perspective. This statement, this 13, uh, verse 13 uh, verse 8 in chapter 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, is also more than reassurance, right? It's more than just simply confidence. It's also a filter. For that time and in our time, there's all sorts of people that would be making claims about who Jesus was. There's all sorts of people that would be making claims about, about what's really in charge of this world or who's really in charge of this world or the way this world really works. This is more than reassurance. This is a filter for the teachings from other teachers, that the author of Hebrews is saying, just remember this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That when you start to hear some strange teaching about who Jesus is, or you start to hear some strange teaching about something else that, that, that seems like it maybe is more powerful than Jesus, or some different way of approaching these kinds of things, that, that use this as a filter. Is this consistent with, with Jesus Christ as he revealed himself in the Gospels? Is this consistent with the way he spoke? Is this consistent with his life? And so we're called 
on the foundation of this unchanging God who made a way for us to, to, to see the world in a different kind of way, to, to put our faith, to apply faith to the act of living, which means that we have active faith. This morning, when we talk of keeping on, it starts with, with this, that the active faith means keeping on, not moving on, right? Active faith means keeping on, not moving on. There is so much in us that, that when things get difficult, right, when, when things get get to be more than what we think we can bear, when, when, we, when our needs are not met, when, when we don't get what we came for, when our, when our expectations are unfulfilled, that, that it would be easier for us to say, well, how do I find a different way, which is moving on. But keeping on says, I'm heading towards the goal, right? My eyes are fixed on Jesus, that he's marked a race for me. I'm going to run the race with perseverance. I'm going to continue to move forward. So keep on. Active faith means keeping on, not moving on. Active faith means I'm going to be faithful to the one who's calling me forward, not trying to find a different way for myself. Active faith means keeping on, not moving on. Active faith is expressed in healthy relationships. Active faith is revealed in healthy relationships that we keep on in our relationships with others, not move on, that we don't give up on people, right? That, that when relationships get difficult, when, when someone says something to us that, that would make us want to give up on them and, and move on to some other kind of relationship, we say, how can I be a redemptive force in this relationship? What can I do that, that can help this become a healthy relationship or at least do my part to make it a healthy relationship? That, that active faith is expressed in healthy relationships or revealed in healthy relationships with others. This doesn't mean that every relationship will be healthy, but it means that we play our part. Right, that we do our part to make relationships healthy. That's revealed in healthy relationship with God. That when we are disappointed, when, when God doesn't do exactly what we think he's supposed to do, that when he doesn't play his part like we think he's supposed to play his part, we don't simply move on. We keep on. We say, well, what is God teaching me? Right, what's the next step? What is it that, that he's doing in my life right now to, to move me forward? to continue to have confidence in this unchanging God. Even when, when he's changing us, he is unchanging. That when we get what we came for, for some of us, we, we show up to a, to a meeting like this, to a, to a place like this, and, and we have specific thoughts of what the outcome is supposed to be, that we are here for a particular reason. And there's this tendency to say, well, I got what I came for, right? That, that what was unstable has been stabilized just a little bit, that, that the provision that I was looking for, has been, that, that need has been met. And so we're tempted in that moment to say, well, I got everything that I came for, which means that I've gotten everything that, that God might have for me. For us to realize that there's probably more to the story than what we came for, that God's probably trying to do something more. So instead of moving on to whatever the next challenge is or the next opportunity is, we, we keep on. Even after we've gotten what we initially came for, we keep on. We take the next step. We take the next step saying, God, what is it? that you're trying to do? What is it that, that you're wanting to, me to see clearly so you help remove the noise that was making it difficult for me to hear you? If we don't get what we want, we keep on. That our confidence isn't rooted in getting everything that we want. Our confidence isn't rooted in, in God doing exactly what we want him to do, for him stepping into what our mission is, but our confidence is in this unchanging God who continues to call us forward. We keep on fixing our eyes on Jesus, running the race that's been marked out for us. We keep on as it relates to possessions, that our relationship with our possessions is healthy, that, that we're content, not constantly seeking the next thing that will satisfy, saying, well, I've achieved this, or if I only had this, that, 
that we have a healthy relationship with our possessions. This is when we put faith, we apply faith to the act of living, saying God will provide. That our confidence and our perspective, the way we see what we own, the, the way we realize that we're called to steward what's been placed in our hands, that, that the confidence that would suggest that what God has done, that he will care for us. That what's been placed in our hands is for some sort of eternal use, that it's been invested in us, and so then we steward, so that we have this healthy relationship with possessions. It's revealed in healthy relationships. And active faith, third, is expressed in hospitality. Right? It's revealed in healthy relationships, and it's expressed in hospitality. This means that we keep on when we welcome someone in, when, when someone comes into our, our sphere of influence, that, that we welcome them in. We don't just move on. We, we choose love over the fear of the unknown. We choose love over the possibility that we could be hurt. That even when our, our history would suggest as we've welcomed, welcomed others in or when other people have, have come into our sphere of, of influence that, that we've been wounded before, that we choose love, right? We're, we're wise about this. We're smart about this. But we say, I'm going to choose. I'm going to give people a chance that we welcome. We're talking particularly about, about Bertridge Church as an organization that, that we welcome others. We make room for people that we do things when we talk hospitality. And in just a few weeks on, on the 15th of September, we're going to have a gathering where we're going to make some barbecue, which right, is, is a good thing. And we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to have a hospitality culture here at Birchridge, for us to lean in on. This is not us saying this, this is a new thing, but this is us saying, this church feels a certain way. Let's continue to make it feel that way. What can we do to, to, to throw the doors open, to, to make people feel welcome and connected? For us as a people, for us to, to, to be uncomfortable for the sake of others, to, to do the kinds of things that, that put us in the position of discomfort instead of someone that's, that's here for the first time. For us to take that on for ourselves. That's, that's us saying we will make room, we will welcome. When active faith is expressed in hospitality, it means that we stick with people, that we don't give up on people. Right? To, to go back to the story that we started this, this conversation with, when, when my friend stops and sits on the rock, I don't say, well, that's unfortunate that you're not going to make it. I guess you're not coming home, right? We, we stick together, right? The, that my journey is, is shaped by my, the, the, the companion that I'm, that I'm with as well, that, that I realize that it's not just about me climbing that second mountain, but it's about me helping him get home safely, that, to take the next step and the next step and the next step, that, that we stick with people. That's a mark of hospitality, that we stick with people, that we don't give up on each other. And so as we close this series, as we kind of take this arc and we we remind ourselves and we take one more moment to say, what is it that God needs to do in us? So we move in confidence as, we, as, we, as, we, as our perspective shifts, as we begin to apply faith to the act of living, that we recognize that we're called as a people, that, we're rec- that we recognize as followers of Jesus, we're invited to an active faith. This faith that's centered on Jesus, but, but is brought into alignment, right? The circles coming into alignment, centered on Jesus and and there's as much overlap as possible between our, our, our confidence, what we believe, and, and the way we see the world. That the way we see the world is shaped by what we believe. That we spend time listening to God speak. That we spend time in Scripture. That, that our confidence grows as we grow in relationship with Him. And it doesn't just stay in that sphere, but there's, there's overlap. There's, there's the, the, that what we believe influences the way we see the world. And the way we see the world and what we believe should, should then influence the way we act, that our actions should, should be reflective of, 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 our, of our faith, of our confidence, and of our perspective. That we're brought into alignment, that, that God does an aligning work in us. And the good news, 
the good news is that, that this is a heart issue, right? That sounds like bad news, doesn't it? That it's not just like I can mentally make a decision that, that now I'm going to, 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 to take a different step or I'm going to move in a different direction. I'm going to take the next step. Or I'm going to keep on. or I'm going to run the race or I'm, you know, any, any number of what active faith, ways that active faith looks. The good news is that this is a heart issue. And the reason that's good news is that's exactly where God does his work. Right, that when, when we start to get serious about the condition of our heart, and we start to get serious about what's happening in us, not just what we're doing, not just what we're thinking, but the actual heart, the actual heart from where our actions move, the actual heart from, from where we operate, from where we welcome, from where we show hospitality, from where we love. The good news is that this is a heart issue, and that's exactly where God does his work. Right? It's a heart issue, so it's not on us. We simply allow God to do his work, that, that we spend time listening, we spend time praying, we spend time gathering together to, to have our perspectives recalibrated. And then we allow God to do his transforming work in us. Right? And that is good news. It's not on us. The weight is not on us to, 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 to make ourselves right. It's to give God the opportunity to, to cooperate with him, to allow him to do an aligning work in us. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for your perspective. God, thank you for the way that you have preserved your word for us. God, for the way your word gives hope. God, for the invitation that you've extended consistently, that the invitation that was made 2,000 years ago through the book of Hebrews is the same invitation that's made to us today to have our confidence be rooted in you, to build our lives on the rock that is you, to see the world differently, to see the temporary through the eyes of the eternal, and then to have the opportunity to apply faith to the act of living, where our actions come into alignment with what we believe, where, where there's congruence between what we believe and the way we see the world and the way we act. And so God, I pray God, I pray for courage. These are the ty types of messages. This is the type of truth that, that requires something of us in this coming week. God, you're going to put us in situations where we're going we're to grow, where we're going to have to make some choices. So God, I pray for wisdom and I pray for courage. God, I pray that our lives will be marked by something better in the coming week than they've been marked by in the week that's, that's passed. God, give us the wisdom and the courage to take the next step. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, the one who calls us forward, the one who goes before us in all things, the one whom we're called to keep our eyes fixed on. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.